Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you with all our heart for this opportunity you give us to come together. Help us, Lord, not to take it lightly, but to see in everything you do your hand. You have brought us here, Father, with a specific purpose. At a specific time, in a specific moment in our lives. And we trust you for what it is you want to do in our lives. We thank you for this day. We thank you, Father, for the giftings that are given to different people in different ways. And yet, when they're all offered to you, magic happens. Miracles happen. Lives are changed and transformed. I thank you, my Father, for this day and for all that you want to do with us. Open us to your word and open your word to us. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Uh, what, a, what a blessed bunch of scriptures that were read this morning. Amen? I mean, always, uh, every time, but it just seemed that the Lord organizes things. You know, it, it just over and over and over again. Uh, when I planned for today, I wasn't planning that the lessons we were going to be reading today were going to include such a magnificent passage from 1 Corinthians on love. Um, and also the other thing that blessed me as I was listening to, to all of it being read, not only uh, the first lesson, but the gospel that spoke about really the transfiguration of the face of Moses uh, when he meets with God, but also later the transfiguration of Jesus when he is meeting with Elijah and, and Moses in the mountain. And one of the thoughts that occurred to me because of what we want to speak about today is how important, listen carefully, how important that it be visible in our lives and in our faces that we have been with God. How important that it be in our lives that we have been with God, that we are people who read the Word, not as some who may say, let me choose and pick, or pick and choose, but let me read the Word and let it open me up. Um, today we're going to be talking about marriage. Uh, we're talking, uh, we, we want to talk to, to all of you, to everyone that is here about marriage. Um, I decided, um, as I was planning for this year, I decided that there are things and subjects in the scriptures uh, 
that we don't speak about often enough. And most marriage sermons are left for a wedding. But very seldom is there teaching from the pulpit on a regular basis on marriage. And I thought to myself, I'm going to, once a month, I'm going to deviate from the normal readings, though we're always going to read the lessons that are chosen, but my teaching and my sermon is going to deviate from normally I preach to you from the gospel. One month I'm going to preach to you on marriage. Another month I'm going to speak to you on the Holy Spirit. I think it's so important we tend to ignore the Holy Spirit. We take Him for granted. And so once a month I'm going to focus on the gifts and explain the gifts to you and share with you the proper use of the gifts of the Spirit. In another month, I'm going to be speaking to you about uh, evangelism. Because that is one of the greatest calls the church has, is to share the gospel. And the reality is that so many of us are either afraid of the word evangelism, or we just have no idea how to do it. I was talking to a brother uh, not too long ago about evangelism, and and I I said to him, he he said to me, I don't know why evangelism is so hard for people. And it occurred to me, and I, I think this was a divine occurrence, I don't think it was just me, but I thought the reason all of us have such a problem with evangelism is that we tend to see evangelism as winning or as conquering, as conquering somebody's thoughts or somebody's beliefs, so that our beliefs win. And that is the worst idea we can have about evangelism. Evangelism should be simply sharing, sharing what's important to us with friends and brothers and with family members and with co-workers and and with uh, people that we play with. It's not about winning anybody. It's about sharing what's important to us and the faith that is in us. We let the Holy Spirit be the one that guides people's hearts. But I'm not going to be speaking about evangelism today, so that was a freebie. That will give you kind of an idea of where I'm going probably in a, in a couple of months. But every quarter or so, you're going to get a teaching on marriage. And I, I wanted to, to speak to you, not only I, but I invited uh, my sister Lori Linning to join me. So it's going to be a tag team today on speaking about marriage. But I especially wanted to do it today because whether you're aware or not, today begins the National Week of Marriage. A whole week that the evangelical world, in a way, is dedicating for us to talk about marriage, to practice things that have to do with marriage, to celebrate the gift of marriage. Because whatever it is we have made of marriage, it's still a gift of God 
to bring a man and a woman together and to have them join and become one flesh. It is a gift of God and and I know I've been gifted with my wife and I know she's being gifted with me, I hope. <laughs> but so today we begin the National Week of Marriage. But also I wanted to benefit all married couples at St. David's with some teaching. Whether you've been married uh, six months or you've been married a year and a half, or you've been married uh, 40 years or more. I wanted to bless you with some teaching on marriage, which I think it's important. I'm going to speak to the men, and Lori is going to come up and speak to the women for a moment. But I also wanted to bless our singles. Whether you ever intend on being remarried, or whether you simply are here Today, to worship God, I want you to listen, I want you to learn, and if it's not for you, I want to say to you, pass it on to somebody else. Share it with a friend. Just say, you know, my pastor uh, preached on marriage this past Sunday, and I would love for you to listen to what he had to say. So everybody can benefit today, whether married or single. The topic or the, the title of the sermon, as you can see there, is the sword and the dagger. And that really came from a, a time not too long ago when I was ministering to a couple that are so very dear to me. And I was ministering to them because they were having some marital difficulties. And as I prayed for them the Lord gave me a vision or gave me a clear picture of a man, the husband in a marriage, all dressed up like a knight. As I prayed, the Lord just so clearly gave me in my mind this picture of a man with the breastplate so shiny, looked like silver, and a helmet, and he was a knight of God, and he had this sword that when he brought the sword out, it was just so extremely shiny. And as I shared with my friend, and later with his wife, and later I've shared it with other couples, this vision that the Lord gave me, because it really, truly was from Him, I learned a few things that I thought I need to share with others. So I want to speak, first of all, to the men in this church, whether married or single. The reality is that God has created us different from women. We are created differently from our wives. It doesn't mean we're not equal in, in the eyes of God. It doesn't mean we are not equal in so many ways. But the reality is that equality does not mean sameness. God has created us different. And God has created us different physically. 
He has created man with a strength that is not necessarily there in our wives or in women. Men, in, in general, tend to be taller, bigger, more muscly, stronger in so many ways. We are strong. God has made us, be it testosterone, be it whatever it is, God has made us capable of getting real big in, in, in feeling big. Even if you're not necessarily big, we feel big, we feel power, we feel strength. And God has made us different emotionally as well. It doesn't mean that we're not emotional. I can cry in a movie sometimes easier than my wife Molly. I have my tricks for her not to hear me cry or sob. But once in a while I can't control it and she'll hear. (laughs) And she'll look at me and say, you're crying. I say, yes. I'm not afraid to tell you that I am. And yet though we are emotional, we are hard in our emotions as well. We don't let them lose easy. There is a strength in our emotions. We can deal at times with issues from a very strong point of view that sometimes our wives cannot. We are hard at times and sometimes too hard and don't allow ourselves to to express a depth that is within us. We want to appear strong. And we are strong in so many ways. So the picture that the Lord showed me and implanted in my mind of this knight with a sword, the Lord was saying to me that we men are given a role in the family to be the knights of our home, to be the warlike heroes that defend and protect our families. That when we draw those swords, we are ready for battle against any and all enemies that might come against our families. And there have been times when even at the dislike of Mali, If I have felt in any way that she is being threatened in some way, or somebody is just making her feel uncomfortable, I immediately go to that person and say, stop. That's my wife, and nobody messes with her. You have to go through me first. 
Because I will be the defender of my daughters, my granddaughters, my sons-in-law, and I will defend my family against any and all individuals that would come against my family. That is my role as the husband and father in our home. I will draw my sword and go to battle for anyone who tries to hurt my family. But the thought and the picture that came to my mind as I was ministering to my friends was that there are times when we draw our sword not against an enemy, but we draw our sword against our own families. That there are times when we, whether conscious or unconscious, we draw our sword against our wives and against our children. And the night turns into an enemy of the family rather than a protector of the family. That there are times that we don't realize it, but we become the enemy and the attacker of our family. And one of the teachings I want to do for you today is to tell you that that is not godly, that is not biblical, and that is not moral, and that is not righteous. That is not the role the Father gave us to exercise in the home. When it is us who turn against our families, we become the ones that hurt the family. There is no excuse whatsoever for any of us to ever be physical against our wives or against our children. There is no reason at all in the world where we can exercise that strength and that power and that character that God has given us for good in ways that are evil. When we, there is no excuse for ever pushing your wife or putting her against the wall and raising your voice and pointing in her face and making her feel like a child. There's no reason ever for a man of God to behave in that manner. We should never use our strength, our power, in any way that belitters our wives. Physical abuse, pushing, slapping, even punching in the arm in a kidding way but strong, to make a point that is not godly or manly. We cannot use our strength against our wives or our children in such a fashion and feel that we are acting in the name of God, because we're not. But sometimes we are not punchers. But how many times have one of us men clenched our fists and, and, and threatened our wives to the point where they, they become fearful of their husband. Fearful. Or raise your hand in this fashion as if to slap her. 
How many times things like that have been done to our children or to our wives, and that is not godly either. How many times, just because we have a big, strong voice, we use our voice and the strength of our voice in verbal abuse? Or in causing one of our children or our wives to to submit by the mere power of my voice? Just because we have these strong voices... I'm talking to men of God that perhaps have never been taught some of these things. But not only do we sometimes turn against our families by being physically or or verbally abusive, there are times that we turn against our family by our neglect. In our absence in the home. By not being there when they need us. By finding something else to do. By getting busy in other things that taking care of the well-being of our home. That strength that God has given us, that call that He has placed upon us is for us to be the protector and defenders of our home and not the very enemy inside the four walls of our home. Whatever it is that needs to be changed in us, we need to become aware that your shining armor becomes blackened by sin when you turn against your family and you draw your sword against those you swore to protect. I don't know, let me tell you, I've been married 40 years, I've raised two daughters, and I can tell you I've made plenty of mistakes in raising these kids and and in my marriage. But it is never too late for me to, to listen to my own sermon and realize that some of the things I may have done in the past, they're not from a Christian man or from a Christian God. My sword is for the defense of my family and not for the attack of my family. Lori, may I invite Lori to come forward so that she can speak about the dagger. Good morning. So probably, good morning, women. (laughs) And men, too. So probably when you're thinking about, or when you think about marriage, probably the word dagger is not the first thing that comes to your mind. I know when Father Jose said that he wanted me to help teach on marriage, and he said I was going to speak on the dagger, I kind of took it personally. Like, it's not me, you said it doesn't sound good, but... (laughs) Anyway... um, I think we, um, again, the romantic idea of marriage, I know I'm a big romantic person, and when I was growing up, one of my favorite movies was West Side Story. 
And I love that scene in the movie where Tony and Maria play act their wedding and they sing that song to each other, make of our hands one hand, make of our hearts one heart. Um, make of our hands, um, wait, <laughs> make of our hands one hand, make of our hearts one heart. Uh, now it begins, now it starts, one hand, one heart, even death won't part us now. And that's a beautiful picture of two people becoming one. And so daggers, like where does that fit in, right? So I looked up in the dictionary um, the definition of a dagger. And for those of you who do not know, it's actually been used throughout the centuries. The word cloak and dagger sometimes are used together. But the idea here is it's really a small instrument very sharp, but mostly concealed and used at very close range. You get very, 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 very close to the person, and then boom, dead. That's how they got Julius Caesar. So the people that you're trusting, the people that can get close to you, are at that close range like a wife is to a husband, and then eh. Now, I know that sounds very dramatic. Again, you're thinking, um, how, what's the tie into marriage? But actually, combat in close confrontation can happen. The person that you trust, the person closest, can hurt you the most. Dramatic, but true. So, to prepare for this sermon, I asked um, some men that I know, some in this church, actually, and some people at work, etc., how can a woman hurt you? What is, what is a way that she can, if, you, if I say dagger, what rings true in terms of what a dagger might be? And I got um, actually three different categories. But uh, the first one, survey says, the, the number one complaint or the number one thing that came to mind was publicly second-guessing, challenging, contradicting, or or belittling your husband in public. If you want to wound your husband, go after his pride publicly. Make it clear that you are not in agreement with him, that instead of being on the same team, you think that he's on the wrong track, he doesn't have his facts right, He's not making good decisions. And be sure to bring this up at a party in front of other people, at a family gathering, or maybe even the parish hall where they're just trying to tell a story. Now, most of us good Christian women probably don't think that we can be put in this category. But how about this? How about something that we say, well, I was just making a joke. <laughs> I thought it was funny, um, but, but really people do ask themselves, like, was there something behind that? That little joke, that little jab, that little <laughs> regarding something that they're saying or doing. Um, it was interesting with this one that not only did the husbands that I asked say that they didn't like it, but I would say as a group, the brotherhood does not appreciate this. 
Not only do they not like it when it's done to them, but they feel very uncomfortable for the man that it's being done to. That makes them feel very uncomfortable with the contradicting wife, second-guessing, correcting, etc. So anyway, that was number one. I also Googled the internet, like what do men want the most from their wives or what makes a good wife? The number one thing was respect. What happened to the little black dress? We'll get to that later. My husband laughed when I said that. That was pretty funny. (laughs) Number two, survey says, words and actions from your wife that bring about the feeling, I can't do anything right. Do you want to wound your husband? Don't believe in him. I find it interesting if you probably would observe the same thing that a lot of us women find it a lot easier to encourage and support and defend their children at all costs. Their children are above reproach. Don't let a teacher, don't let your girlfriend, don't let some other, uh, your, your children's friends, parents, criticize your child and you're like, right away. But sometimes in the husband-wife relationship, it's actually the wife that's contributing to some of those conversations and isn't as gung-ho about the verbal support and the encouragement that, that men need. Answer number three If you want to wound your husband, take all your dissatisfaction and find somebody to agree with you. Number three was getting ganged up on, confiding in others your dissatisfaction with your husband. And personally, I've always believed this, if you look hard enough, you can get somebody to agree with you. And so you, you you get people to agree For instance, things like, we shouldn't have bought this house. And my friend Susie, the realtor, agrees that it was a mistake. I told you that I think we should get out of the stock market. My dad did. And now he thinks that we're irresponsible. But no wife on her wedding day really walks in with the intention of using daggers. Because what we intend to do, what we intend to do and continue to intend to do this, is to love honor, and cherish our husbands. But how did, so how do we get to daggers? How does that happen? Well, one of, the, one of the things that I wanted to talk about was our family culture. Sometimes what we saw when we were growing up can influence how we, we interact in, the, in that relationship. In my own family, my mom was one of three sisters, and they were really, really close with each other. And when they were growing up, they shared everything. They shared every story. They um, weighed in on each other's lives and their decisions. And then that behavior moved into their, uh, into their adulthood. And that may have worked really well for them, that they were so close and sharing everything. But it didn't work out so well for their husbands sometimes. Um, I have an uncle that passed away last year. And I went to his funeral, obviously, and his formal obituary was there. 
And I read all this stuff about my uncle that I didn't know. Some accomplishments and things that he did that were really nice things. But you know what I knew about my uncle? And I knew this growing up. I knew that he had lost all of his family's money and that he had a hard time holding a job and that personally he was a disappointment and his wife was carrying the burden. Now, whether that's true or not true, that was the story in our family about my uncle. And I think that we, and that, that's just example of my family culture, but it can damage the way that then you move into your own relationships and how you conduct them and what works and what is really not of God what is not the structure. They, we had, they had a marriage by committee with the sisters weighing in. And that is not the structure that God talks about. God talks about leaving and cleaving. That's not just your mom and dad. That can be your sisters or your brothers or anybody who's gonna, anybody's going to have a, a negative impact uh, on, your, on your marriage. Um, I, I think one of the things I thought about was that just the influence that wives can have on the way that the family or the public perceives the husband. The wife sometimes is the mouthpiece for what is thought about with their husband, and you can't use that influence negatively. Um, but the biggest contributing factor to daggers, problems in, in marriage, is just our human nature. We walk in with, uh, with great expectations and rose-colored glasses. And uh, before you know it, life happens. Life can be disappointing. Sometimes a marriage can be disappointing. It can um, offer difficulties. And uh, when we don't have our alignment right, when we operate from our human nature, when I'm not getting what I want and what I need, or I'm comparing the inside of our relationship to the outside of everybody else's, you're going to fall into trouble. When we believe the lie that it's his job to make us happy, because really, is it his job to make you happy? Common, no. <laughs> Good answer. Not his job. That's very dangerous. Um, uh, current culture has this cute little saying that everybody says now. Uh, happy, happy wife, happy life. Right? Right? It's cute if you're talking about not forgetting a birthday. It's not cute if that's your frame of reference, if that's your lifestyle. Intimidating a man into believing that all decisions need to be formed around your happiness, wrong message. So I googled unhappy husbands. I thought, what was the internet have to say about, about unhappy husbands? And I, there was a lot of information, actually. Funny what you can find. Anyway, and a lot of crazy stuff, you guys. Oh, my goodness. But not the point. What I wanted to bring out here was that only 8% of men said that sexual dissatisfaction was the main factor for their infidelity. 8% only. 
Our culture tells us that all that men need to be happy is the little black dress and all that that goes with it. But men are emotionally driven beings too, exactly like women. They want their wives, number one, to show them that they're appreciated and that she understands how hard they are trying to get things right. Instead of unhappy wife, and instead of happy wife, happy life, how about a good wife who can find? This is from Proverbs 31. I'm sure you're all familiar with it. But the words are very profound. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good not harm all the days of her life. So how do you avoid using daggers that bring death to a spouse? Be the kind of wife that brings life to her husband, who does him good all the days of his life. How do you become the type of wife whose behavior and character are, although not perfect, are irreplaceable to your husband? whose partnership that he could not live without. There is only one answer to this, and that is Jesus Christ. He's the only one who can transform the inner woman that will result in the irreplaceable wife. Family cultures can work against you. Human nature, goodness knows, works against you. But submitting your life daily to the one who has the power to change you, he has the power to change all of us from our selfish, self-centered, make me happy, oh, I'm not happy, so it must be your fault, I don't have what I want, wife, to the submitted, serving, building up, and encouraging, biggest fan kind of wife. But that job is a job that the Holy Spirit is really good at. That's what he can do. But even greater than that is living with the knowledge that God never intended our husbands to fill all of our needs. Once a husband got close to the goals that we chose, we would probably make them harder anyway. God intends that he be God in our lives that he be the one that we worship. He's the one we know is perfect, who will never let us down, even when we are at our worst. It is God who lives up to the gold standard, and we shouldn't have that expectation on our husband. Husbands were given to us to aid in our transformation, iron sharpening iron, and to partner with us through this journey in life. So let's be ladies whose words and actions are not daggers, but that our words are used to bless our husbands. Let God be God, and let your husband be a man. Thank you. Oh, You'll hear me whispering to Tom. So the Lord gave me uh, this picture that uh, continued to develop because the first picture that I received was of the night. 
Uh, and, and it was just so clear because it was the Lord telling me, tell your friends this. Tell your male friend, the husband, this. And so I did. And, and the more I thought about this, I also thought, you know, the, the, the second picture that came to my mind, but that one may have been more from me than, than from the Lord, when I thought of, of the women and how they can use the dagger, you remember those pirate movies where the wife has, or the woman has boots and she pulls this dagger from her boot? That, that's what I was thinking about. And I thought, wives can really cut very deep. Ladies, you, we may seem very, very strong, and we are, but we get cut. And it hurts. And we may not show it, but we bleed. We bleed red just like you when we hurt you. A a wife can be so cutting. And I was talking to a brother just before the the service today who who heard the 8 o'clock service as well. And we can get into the argument of who cut who first. And that's not going to reach us anywhere. Well, I drew my sword because I was so tired of you cutting me. Well, maybe she had to defend herself from you drawing your sword against her. I don't know what came first. But neither is any good and neither works the grace of God. And neither accomplishes the kind of marriage that the Lord put together. It is our job as husbands to protect, to defend, but to build our families. So that they become confident that they're not alone in this world. That they have a man that God has brought in their midst that will defend them from anything and everything, and they will not ever be left alone, no matter what happens to them, that that man is going to stick by and help, whether because of an illness or because of anything that happens. That husband is a Christian man who will defend his wife. But that kind of man is also built up when you ladies don't cut us. When you also, also take time to build us. We want to hear that we may not be perfect, but that we're perfect for you. We want to hear that we may not be doing everything right, but that we're trying real hard and you appreciate that. And we as men need to also hear when we are failing in living up to the standard that Christ gave us. I'm not going to preach on this today, but I would point you to uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 through 31, if you want to actually see the picture that God is drawing for us of what a Christian woman is like and what a Christian man is like. But basically, uh, a Christian woman is the picture of the church in relationship to Jesus. And we live in obedience to the Lord. We live as a church in submission to the Lord's authority or the Lord's teaching or the Lord's guidance. But we as men are the picture of Christ 
that gives himself. It says in the word that Christ gave himself to offer unto himself a wife that is pure, a wife that is unblemished, a wife that we can find joy in. And then the whole passage ends by saying, So husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, and wives respect your husbands. I'm going to unpack this for you next time that I preach on marriage. We're going to look at every detail of these scary words that are in this passage. But if we're going to live up to the standard of Christ, and we're going to show that we walk with the Lord, it needs to become visible in our marriages. Now, singles today, please listen, learn, And give it to someone else whom you know that is married, that perhaps they too can be blessed by the teaching this morning. Would you stand with me, please?